Good morning. <coughs> As Andy said, my name is Kaylee Gray, and I'm a child of this church, and it is such a joy to be back with you this morning sharing in a reading of the word. So our gospel reading for this first Sunday after Christmas picks up where we first left off on the story of Christmas Eve. The Magi have come to pay homage to the newborn king, and on their way, they stop to ask Herod for some directions on where to find him. Herod tries to get information from them, but they are warned by an angel of the Lord to go home a different way in order to avoid Herod. Hear the word of the Lord as given to us in the Gospel of Matthew, the second chapter, verse 13. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went to go to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, we know you're with us through your word and your scriptures. We pray that you are in this space, in the hearts and minds of us as we look into your word together. Amen. So from the very beginning, Jesus' life is clearly marked by God's promises and by human resistance to that God and those promises. Jesus was welcome into a world in Matthew that's not full of unanimous acclamation. Potential doom looms over these first chapters of Matthew and Jesus' welcome to the world. But we know that this baby is special. We know this through the fear that is, is expressed by the powerful leaders of the time, like Herod. Why would anyone suspect a child, a mere child, would subvert the order of the world? That mere child could weaken the powerful. Jesus continues to live into this unexpected life as Joseph takes his family to settle in Galilee. Galilee was commonly known as Galilee of the Gentiles, 
Once a part of the northern kingdom of Israel, the land had never really recovered since its fall to the Assyrians, and it was now widely populated with foreigners. The Jews in Judea considered Galilean Jews only a step above Samaritans. Settling here was definitely not a wise career move for anyone who wanted credentials as the Messiah. But we see this time and time again from Jesus. From witnessing refugees all around the world, it is clear that the vulnerable are harmed when the powerful are irresponsible. Yet every time this happens, Jesus sides with the vulnerable. He takes an unexpected turn towards lowliness and humility rather than grandeur and greatness. Jesus is to be identified with the vulnerable people of the world. And in time, this will include his followers. And in more time, this will include us. In these moments, we are called to seek out refuge. And when you do, keep your eyes open because you may never know from where it will come. This passage is really hard to stomach right after Christmas. It feels like we just blew out our candles and went in, out into the world humming silent night. There is no silence here. People are running. Infants are crying and being murdered. Children are screaming and mothers are wailing. We have entered back into reality. And our question now is where did God go? This is a theological concept known as theodicy, and it is what, uh, precisely asking this question. Where is God when bad things happen? When children are harmed? When natural disasters cause mass wreckage? When we're filled with deep grief at gun violence? This is the most common and most complicated question asked by Christians of every age in any circumstances. And it is a question that pastors and pastors in training hate to preach about. <laughs> There's not really a great answer, but we'll look and we'll see what the word is saying to us today. But it also is very hard to answer this question in one sermon alone. So let us just start looking for places that we see God in this story. Because in Matthew's story, he trusts in God and God's providence, which emerges from not an overly active credulity, but from a faith that expects God to reign in a place where the dominance of the powerful is unchangeable. When contemplating this question, so many people focus on where God is not and what God is not doing. We should try instead to look at this question and search for where God is and what God is doing. Because I promise God is doing something. The Lord sent an angel with a message to Joseph in order to help him protect his family and his precious child. The Lord sent a messenger to the wise men in order to help them escape Herod's trap. And just because the Lord did not send a message directly to you or to me to let us know what's going on does not mean that God is not present within the acts of others. 
It's true that humans are responsible for the evil that they inflict on one another. But the crux of this text comes when you pay attention to how God is playing a role in the midst of all of these events. When we do this, we can acknowledge that God does not cause evil, but is present in times of distress, in the voice guiding us, in the sending us off to safety, in the healing of our pain, and recognizing this presence in our lives in these moments is important. It is in the surprising and disorienting ways that God's grace often works that safety and well-being come to the Holy Family. Not in a familiar setting, but in an encounter with the other. Refuge is extended to them from outside of conventional boundaries. As I was contemplating this story, it made me think of a Broadway musical, thanks, Dad, for raising me right, um, called Come From Away. It's a show that talks about um, the events of 9-11, but it is focused on a small town called Gander up in Canada. There were 38 planes that were diverted out of US airspace that landed in this small town. The passengers and pilots did not know what was happening. The town was not expecting this, and these people ended up stranded in this town for multiple days. There is not a very big hotel there. They did not have room for all of these people, and the story talks about how the individuals of that city took in these refugees and made space for them in their homes and introduced them to their city and their island and made them feel like home. The passengers left, never forgetting these stories. They created a scholarship for the land and continued to visit back and stay close. And it is in these unexpected small places where you find the welcome that you never knew you needed and they never expected to give. Egypt serves as a similar place in this text as a place of unexpected welcome. It shows that strangers and even assumed enemies might just become a source of true hospitality, an instance of God working outside of our well-worn paths, far beyond any road that we might assume to be safe for traveling. Matthew's focus upon the ways God was active in protecting the infant Jesus from such worldly atrocities and thereby enabling Jesus' salvific mission illustrates how it is possible to have faith in the ultimate fidelity of God, even as we face present tragedies. And we can remember that the God whose son was crucified does not turn away from the depth of our pain but willingly entered into our world, our world of suffering, and showed us that resurrection and redemption have the last word. Matthew here prepares a prophetic path for Jesus to walk as this detour into Egypt actually turns out to be a prophetic call. The places where you don't think you're going and you don't think you're needed may be exactly where you're being called. Another prominent theme in this lesson is about God's providential care, linked to the metaphor of parental love. 
We pay attention to the meticulous ways in which God provides and guides the Holy Family, even when events do not appear to be transpiring as we may wish. Some of that is just fulfilling the prophecy, but that might have been difficult for Mary and Joseph to grasp at the time. The gospel is reflecting on something larger than the fate of the Christ child, however, an experience that is more universal and recurring, an evil tyrant commanding his army to engage in a mass murder of children. Our reading invokes the inconsolable sorrow of all mothers from all times and places whose children precede them in death. And it is in this world of pain that Jesus entered into a world of serious dysfunction, dysfunction, of brokenness and oppression. Jesus was born an outcast, a homeless person, and a refugee, and he becomes victims to the power that be. But that is why Jesus is a perfect savior for these people. That is why Jesus is a perfect savior for us. The church is described as this in scripture time and again, as not the best and the brightest, but those who in their weakness become a sign for the world of the wisdom and power of God. And if God was willing to enter, not just into the best, but the worst of places, do you not think he might be asking us to do the same? As we become reflective on a year past and looking forward to another year coming, the church is called to be a church on the move, just like God, disciples making disciples, individuals providing refuge to strangers, looking for a call in the unexpected places, not simply waiting for the world to come to us, but entering into the world. We confess our complicity with events and with rulers like Herod, and then we exhort to find, join forces with Jesus, the wise men and the other saints and martyrs of our faith, and to speak and act in solidarity with innocents who are currently suffering and being threatened. This doesn't mean necessarily always taking up a huge cause and marching forward, but simply doing something. Whatever ha you have and whatever you can do right then and right there, do it. These people that protected the Christ child were not people of wealth. They were not people of high status. They were simply foreigners who were presented with a chance to act with grace. And in doing that, they changed the history of the world. This unexpected yet God-directed journey of the Holy Family reassures us that God directs our paths and our families too into these unexpected places as we work to find a lifestyle 
of being willing to serve and being willing to be served. There is more Holy Spirit in all of us than there ever is in any one of us alone. So let's get together. Let's act out God's grace. And let's see where it takes us. It might be somewhere unexpected. Amen.